Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the Light, the Fight podcast. Welcome to the OG Therapy. Welcome everybody to another episode of OG Therapy. And I am very honored to have the very first triple OG on the podcast, <laughs> the OOG himself, the godfather of Utah football, Mr. Coach Ron McBride. Coach, thanks for being on the podcast. What's up, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel so weird. I feel like he's looking at me like I'm this 18-year-old kid still going, did you go to class today, Kyle? Probably not. <laughs> uh and, you know, we're not here to talk about my bad academic follow-through. We're here to highlight Coach today, but there might be some truth to that, co- Coach. Well, uh, Coach, you, you, you were a trippy kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Well, right before we started talking, um, we talked about something that I knew. I lived through this, being one of your players. And that is you had quite an interesting... I don't know if it was an affection, you felt bad for these types of kids, or you're just like, man, no one else is helping these kids. But the more messed up a kid was mentally and emotionally, you, you like went out of your way to help them. And, and that hasn't even stopped today. Like I still hear stories of you going out of your ways to just really lift up the kids that really don't believe in themselves. And yeah. I was definitely the case. Yeah, well, exactly. So we kind of, you know, we, we would identify players that were recruited in like three categories. There were a red category, uh, uh, a yellow category, and then a green category. And so you, you knew that the red category kids had problems. So that's the kids you wanted to concentrate on. Yeah. So you kind of knew in recruiting when you took a chance on a kid, okay, that kid's going to need more attention than the green guy. You can't just let that kid run off on his own. Yeah, in other words, you got to get him from from the red to the to the middle part which is the yellow orange and then get him to the green. So hopefully you as you get him through the his freshman year, sophomore year and and hopefully you push him to each push him to the next level. But you never give up on the red guy until you get him to where he can handle himself without somebody monitoring him every day, make sure he's doing what he's supposed to do, and just keep. What you want to do is just keep hammering away at the at the same thing. And and the thing about those guys, the red guys are guys that love football, and football is more important to them than than education and 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 other things. But in order for them to play football, they have to get an education. And the more they're around educated people, the better they become because they, they're, they're learning a different culture or a different lifestyle. And a lot of times, uh, the people you work for, the administrators, they don't, like to, they don't like you taking chances on kids like that. So they get... They don't want a lot of red kids. No, they do not, they do not because they don't want to deal with the problem. You know, but, but uh, you know, I made a living for 50-some years off the red guys. Because the red guys had talent. The red guys had talent. They just didn't think like everybody else. And what you had to do is get them 
get them so they understand the importance of their education, the importance of their future, and the importance of, of, of them making something out of themselves. And that football can be a vehicle to get all those things, but you got to get them to think different than in what you and you kind of you kind of knew going in what you what you had, and then you you made sure that you you're that these kids are going to be successful and it and so and I would always tell the guys that that um, that you know that work for me you know you take care of this these guys and I want and I want to have a daily report on what these kids are doing I want to know exactly what they're doing are they in class are they turning their stuff in are they doing what they're supposed to do and so we monitored those kids closely to let them know that we cared about what they were doing. And then once they could get to that next level, then, you know, we'd have another group coming in. So you, But you want to make sure you, you can... Turn them over from red and get them up into different Get them colors. up, and you want to, you, what you want to do is... is uh, and, and that's where your success is. It's like uh, training football players. You, you get a football player that's maybe a C player, but the idea is to make him a B and an A player. So you got a player that's a pretty average guy coming in that's really athletic, but you have to train him to get get him get him out of that take him to be a C to a B to an A. So the idea is to is to elevate elevate their circumstances and elevate the things they gotta do. And you take whatever minuses they may have athletically and you work on the things that they need to to get done to be better and to think better and then and then you try to you try to teach down to uh their level you know a lot of times go ah oh, this guy doesn't know this guy doesn't know that you know and i have no don't know how many times i've heard that from coaches oh that guy doesn't know how to do this he doesn't know how to do that I said, look, dude, you're the teacher. He's the student. You have to teach to his level, and that. And so you have to, you have to get down to okay. How does he learn? Does he learn by seeing something? Does he learn by repeated? Does he learn by this? Or, you know, a lot of times, coach, ah, that guy's no good. Just you know, throw him out and go by and go to the next guy, and that's typical, you know, because everybody is. Everybody's job is based on wins and losses, and and um, and the fact that you got no players getting in trouble, you got you know all these yeah. all these circumstances. But uh, the fun thing is to take guys that are athletically where you need them to be, and then take them from where they are to where they can be. And that's a secret to education. Secret to education is you take a D student and make him a C student, and then you take yeah. the C student and make him a B student. And then, you know, I can still remember uh, Sioni Mahi a long time ago. I can remember the first time he got a B on a on a test in college and running through the conflict with the paper. <laughs> you know, hey, look at what I got. I said, let me see that paper. You sure that's your paper? <laughs> oh, 
my. And like, well, we were just talking about his brother Reno before the podcast started. I I know Sione very well, and to be honest, I never knew he ever got to be on a paper. So that, sure was, <laughs> yeah, that must laugh. be a true story. That if you're telling it, I laugh. I laugh so hard because he was such a like a loving, happy kid. But so many of the young men, myself included, we we were scared of school. Like school and homework was intimidating to us because when you're highlighted as such a good athlete your whole life. You feel comfortable taking risks in sports, but when yeah. someone says, "Hey, here's algebra," it's like and it was, was almost like like you showed a cross to a vampire or something like that. I always, always told kids, "Hey, sit up in front of the class." You know, most of the players are sitting in back, yep, yep. so you walk in there, sit in the back, and then you just, "Hey, get, get your butt up, move up there." Oh, yeah. You know, because I and I said, well, "Why should I sit in front?" Because that teacher knows you're there every day. If you got a problem, that teacher's going to help you. But if you're sitting in back of the class, teacher doesn't know who you are. But and you're more you, likely going to talk in the back. Yeah, exactly. So, I, and if you walk in late, that instructor's going to know you're late. They, they, but and then when you need help, that instructor's not going to help you. But if you're sitting in front and you're trying, and then you ask for help, that instructor's going to help you because he knows that you care about what he's teaching or she is teaching. What well, you just said, as far as you made a living off of the players in the red, the players that right. came in with all these struggles. So correct me if I'm wrong, you were hired as the head coach in was it the 1990 season for Utah? Uh, something like that. So like yeah. 1990, because I came in 92. Right. I believe you were there two years already. Right. And I remember at that particular time, there was a huge shift from BYU to Utah. Right. So my older brother had played at BYU. Right. He was in the NFL at the time. Right. And I remember um, a friend of mine from my high school, he went, uh, Daniel Pulsfer. He was the right. kicker. Right. I had re didn't really know much about the University of Utah, but he said, man, you got to come up here like Coach McBride. Like, I was like, whoa, what's going on up there? And so when you give me a scholarship and I came up here, of course, I didn't have another, um, not like, not today where there's a portal. You know, you only go to one play for one college, right? Right. So when I came up here, I found out pretty quickly that what you just said about making a living with guys in the red right. was absolutely true. When I got here, it was chaos off yeah. the field and sometimes on the field. Right. I remember meeting multiple guys that they told me they had been in jail within the past year, like right. in jail, not like for overnight. Right. And they had all told me how you took a chance on them in junior college. Everyone, myself included, in fact, I don't know if you knew we called ourselves this, me and EG, Edwin Garrett, all no, those guys in, in, in that team, we all said we were like the bad news bears. Yeah. Remember yeah. the bad news bears, the TV show? Like you took the kids who were just like the ruffians, the kids had behavioral problems, academic problems, or they blew up their knee, but they're supposed to go to Florida State or yeah. to UCLA. Nobody wanted us, and we were just like the, you know, the island of the misfit toys in that yeah. way. And when you came up to us and you made us feel like you wanted us, I can tell you personally and from all my friends, it's a big deal for a young man to feel like someone believes in them when no one else is believing in them. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, if, if, if you believe in somebody um, and they know you're real, then you can, you can make them do stuff that they don't think they're capable of doing. And they wouldn't do on their own. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have their own motivation to do that. That's exactly right. Because a lot of people uh, lack confidence. You know, especially they're scared of they're scared of the classroom. They're they're scared of the, you know, of all these educated, real educated people being around them. And and a lot of times universities, they don't want those kids. They soon shuffle them out, shuffle the deck the other way. And 
I can remember, and I still remember, almost 60 years ago would be my first job at, at Piedmont Hills High School. And I was a, a basic math teacher. And I could still remember the first, you know, so I got a degree now, and I've got my, you know, the thing that qualifies you to teach anything in the school, and I'm really excited about, you know, being able to teach, but being able to coach, Coach, too. And so I can remember the first math meeting I went to, and they had, so they had all the math teachers and the head of the department, and they're, they're shuffling these kids. You know, this kid goes here, this kid goes here. And if it, it, any kid that was suspect, they said, go, this guy goes to the coach. Yeah. And that's the, way the, that's the way the meeting was. This guy goes algebra one, this guy goes to geometry two, this guy goes to coach. So it was, so, and then they put all the kids down in one section of the school. So it was yeah. like, okay, all the supposedly good people were in the middle school, and then all of these other dudes and girls were down at this far end of the of the campus, down this little aisle. Some portable or something like that off <laughs> well, the side. Yeah, off the side, yeah. <laughs> Not even their and own then I'd always say, now you know what? And then I can remember the first class I had, and I said, now you know why you're here, right? I said, because, because all those people up there think you belong down here because you don't learn the same as these people. Yeah. So what they want to do is keep all their problems away from the middle part of the school. Yeah, I they said, don't want to deal with you. Yeah, but here's what we're going to do. I said, I'm going to get you, and I'm going to move you up, and we're going to have lunch up up there, and we're going to sit in the middle of that quad when everybody else is having lunch like a gang, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so... Strength in numbers. Yeah, we walked together, we stayed together, and 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 let everybody know we're part of this campus too. So, so yeah. And, and, um, so that was my first deal where people, Sigmate and kids, you know, the red kids all, hey, you guys go down here. That way you're not going to be bothering the real people, you know? And, uh, well, what, what you were just saying, or it just, it, it makes so much sense because you did that in your own way with our program you, in the state of Utah. You're like, Hey, people think, the University of Utah doesn't belong at the level at BYU. Right. And you gave us all the belief that, yeah, just because you guys weren't, you know, the high recruited guys or the guys that other people didn't want, we're going to go walk on every field. And even if we lose that game, we're going we're gonna to give it to them. We're going to hit them hard. They're going to know that we're serious. And there was something about that. And I remember, uh, remember Mafu? Yeah, well, it, yeah, like you kind of created that same thing yeah. on our team. You were trying to give us an identity to saying w- what you've been through is not who you are. Right. Like that's not who you are. It's just so you came from a bad socioeconomic background. So, you know, you, you know, your, your family was poor. So you got, you know, bad grades in high school. That was all back then. You can change your reputation. Well, yeah, you can change, you can change your circumstances. Yeah. You know, so uh, we were taken <clears throat> to begin with, we were taking props, you know, which prop. guys yep. that weren't qualified. Was it prop, uh, what was it, Prop 8? Yeah, Prop, yeah, I forget, Prop 9 or whatever. But it was kids that couldn't pass the SATs, right? Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. So we had, and the funny thing is, all those prop kids ended up graduating from college and have yeah. great jobs. Chad Ha-Ha was one? Yeah. Chad was one. 
uh, Mahaki was one, uh, Sape was one, all those guys, you know. And, uh, but, you know, thank, thank God that we had good tutors, we had good academic yeah. help, and we could, we could, on a daily basis, keep track of what they're doing. And, uh, and you know, and, and at that time, the, the university had no, uh, you know, they had no vision for what football could be. That's true. Know, they had was, no idea. If they would have known it was going to be, it had the potential to be what it is today, yeah. they probably would have seen it a little bit differently back then. Yeah. So they, I can remember when they hired me, you know, uh, if we if we don't get embarrassed by BYU and we can be, you know, middle of the pack. Just and, competitive. And competitive and, and, and not be embarrassed, you know, you could probably be here forever or whatever. I'm thinking. They, and, and the one thing, being here as an assistant coach twice, I could see this thing was, if you did it right, it would just blow up because oh, yeah. you could you could you could recruit the type of kids that 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 uh, you need to win, and you could recruit the type of kids that could excel, and you had you had uh, good teachers on campus that cared about about yeah. about kids. Beautiful and, environment, close yeah. to California. Yeah, just one flight away. Yeah. So, and then so all you had to do was just build, you know, build a belief. So we built it on return missionaries. We built it on 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 one third, one third. You know, one third Polynesian, one third white, one third African American, and that was kind of the. So we had a mixed locker room, and of of different thoughts and different ideas. And Whittingham, I think he gives credit to you that he, he does the same thing still. Well, yeah. And, yeah, Jay, and, from you, yeah. and, and Jay Hill did the same thing up at Weaver, you know. And and Gary was doing the same thing when he had the success at Utah State. He just, just followed along and you get a good, good locker room. And a lot of the players at Utah now are second-generation players. Oh, yeah. You yeah. got sons. Yeah. Their sons are, you know, Filippo's son is starting left guard. Ellis. Uh, yeah. And, and then Luther's kid is a starting defensive end. Um, the, the the Miley kid is Henry Kafusi's son. Ellis. Uh, the, the other guard is Mokafisi's kid, you know, and, and on and on. That's know? what BYU was known for doing, and then now Utah has that. Yeah. So now... And then a couple of the guys that just committed to Utah were second generation kids that were one one was at BYU and now he's transferred to Utah and the, I think the tight end that just left BYU now is so it's a, the the thing was on a different foot now yeah. you know and it used to be that uh, a guy would rather walk on at BYU than take a scholarship from the University of Utah back in in the uh, in the seventies, you know, I mean, it was like, well, if I don't have anything else, you know, I'll, I'll go to Utah. But if BYU wants me to walk on, you know, I'll walk on there rather than because at that time, uh, you know, the, the the church was really powerful with the kids, and, and they didn't consider Utah really as an alternative, you know. And then once kids started having success at Utah. And especially the return missionaries, then you, you became more. And, and we really uh, attacked the North Shore, you yeah. know. And 
because BYU had dominated that area for for years, and we took it away from them because they were really lazy, and 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 we got really aggressive with with our recruiting, and we took you know we took it away from them and took and and kind of you know. Well, in my class, you started that as well too, because when I came in. Because, you know, my brother went to BYU. Then right. all of a sudden the Kafusis came over and right. you hired Kafusi to be a coach here. Right. And then you went over the North Shore. You got Nakia. You yeah. got um, uh, you got the Kaltais. You got right. a whole bunch of guys. When he says North Shore for our listeners, if you don't know what that means, he's saying North Shore of Oahu, yeah. a hotbed for talent. Yeah. Oh, when you got Chris Fuumatu Mafala. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he could have went anywhere he wanted. Yeah, he was recruited by everybody. In the, but the biggest mistake, so I saw when he was, because Roy Malfala was... That's my guy, a, Roy. <laughs> yeah, so he was in the original class, right? And this was his younger brother. And I remember going over to the mom's house, um, and they lived in the projects over there. Yeah. And and uh, and and Roy said, hey, hey, Coach, you need to watch this film, you know, on, on my brother, you know? And so I watched the film. I said, man, this kid's really something, right? Yeah, special. Yeah. And so a lot of people were recruiting him as a fullback, you know, and I said, now this guy's a tailback, you know. And so I think the, the difference between us and the other people that were recruiting him, yeah. they were recruiting more as a, a fullback. You block. Know, block, catch, you know, do things. I said, no, no, dude, you're a tailback, you know. And, and I said, you don't have to block anybody, you just have to run. Yeah. <laughs> he was a very unique, like Jerome Bettis type. Like, oh, you yeah. got to give that kid the ball. Yeah. yeah, so so that was the the whole thing, and then um, and the fact that Roy had had good success, and 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 I knew the the mom was a key, yeah. a key factor in that family, and uh, so fortunately, and that's a, that's the one year with with was was Mafala, Kautai Olivao, uh, Nate Kia, uh, shoot. Uh, Chad came right before that. Yeah, Chad. Chad was a from Maui. Yeah. So the interesting thing about Chad, you know, he Chad so, Kaha'a, yeah, he's referring Kaha'a, to. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I when I was on Maui at a conference, right? Yeah. And a guy named Maui Mike is a good friend of mine. Maui right? Mike. <laughs> Maui Mike. Yeah. So I said, "Who's the best athlete on the island?" He said, "Well, there's Chad Kaha'a, but he's a not he's a non qualifier." Yeah. So I met, so Maui Mike was real close to the family. So I said, well, set me up something with, and he lived with his grandparents. Yeah. So I went to talk to the grandparents and said, hey, look, this kid would be a prop at, at Utah. You'd have to support him for basically one year. Yeah. And, and uh, I can get him through the year, and then we'll put him on scholarship. And so they, they agreed, and it was good for him. At that time, it was really good for him to get get away from Hawaii. Yeah, and be in a college environment, start going to classes. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, yeah. So and so he was he wasn't easy that first year, you know, yeah. because because <laughs> he and he and Nate Kia always had something. You yeah, know? so he came in with me, Nate, Harold Lusk, like yeah. we're all we're oh, all in yeah. the same class. I, I just talked to Harold yesterday. Yeah, you know, you had uh, your hands full. Yeah, so Harold now is is the head of a big church in, in uh, Monterey 
And um, Nate's a, a bishop too himself, yeah, and he's the head coach at Puno High yep. School. Head coach, oh, yeah. yeah. They, they just played for the state title against against the Red Raiders. Yeah, and that's uh, that's where uh, uh, oh, sure, I'm trying to think of the if, if so. One of our guys is the head coach there too. Yeah. So it's it's uh, yeah. So they just played for the state championship and. Well, well, Coach, I want to jump in about that Chad story because for all of our listeners, I, you know, you know, you talk about Harold, you know, Nate, Chad, myself. We were we were red guys, you know. We were yeah. guys that like, hey, these kids have a lot of talent, but they may not good, be good for the legal department of the university, right? right. And right. so you did something that I I didn't realize I learned this from you until recent years because you know you 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 mimic leadership that you really respond right, to right. well. And that is something very simple is and maybe you haven't put it in this way, but I've just labeled it this way. Life's about one thing, one thing, only relationships. Right. And if you put relationships first, you can get people, like you said, to do things that they didn't know they could do. They don't even because when you're that young, you have no idea what your ceiling of potential is. You have no idea what you're capable of. And when you brought guys like us in and you put a relationship with us ahead of anything else, we started to believe in ourselves. I mean. I laughingly said my first quarter of school here, I got a point zero eight. And right. I remember when you put all of us together, you were like making fun of everybody, like yelling at us, like not make fun. You were yelling, you're mad. He looked at me, you're like, cause I didn't even know you, you could get a point zero eight. Like and you're like, and I was just so embarrassed. But guess what? I got the second quarter, a three point two. Yeah. Like, I mean, you put in the word, you didn't give up on me. Most teams would have kicked me out. Yeah. And also on top of that, I got a letter from the president, uh, I believe it was Smith back then. I was arrested three times that, that freshman yeah. year. And a couple of times you guys could help me out with a couple of times you couldn't. And they told me one more issue and you're kicked out of the university. Mm -hmm. I was on such thin ice that first year. And it, you just, you believed in me and it worked out. So when you talk about, when I talk about putting relationships first with families, with the parents and their kids, I always tell parents, and I know you've done this as a coach, so I want you to weigh on this in a minute. And then this would be a great segue to talk about your, about your nonprofit, the McBride right. Foundation, is that, when you give discipline to someone, you do have to be honest and clear with them that they made a mistake. However, it, you don't have to make it personal. Yeah. You don't have to belittle the person. And when I'm coaching and counseling parents and they'll say things like, what the hell is wrong with you? You're, you're, you're an idiot. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's the wrong approach. You can tell your kid, hey, listen, I'm disappointed. You made a mistake. You screwed up. But then you need to follow it with something like this. So go make up for the mistake now right. and then coach them and tell them what they need to do because just shaming kids, belittling kids that are already low self-esteem that feel bad about academics that are insecure. If you make it personal, like something's wrong with them, I don't think you could bring the best of them. And you were proof to that. You did not make it personal. I never felt like you hated me. In fact, because you loved your players so much when you did get mad at us, it was almost like apparently like you felt like you you're embarrassed you disappointed that person that that took time to care for you. you know, so can well, you talk about that for a minute, please? Yeah. So, so a couple of things that we did with guys back in the day, you know, that had problems or did things that they weren't supposed to do. Uh, so Lou Lucido, who had Lucido yeah. Construction. Um, so let's say a guy took something he wasn't supposed to take, okay? From the job. Yeah. From which the, honestly happened to me one time. Yeah. So I would put, 
I would say, okay, you got two choices. You can, you can give up your scholarship and go home, or you can go work for, for Lou, and then when you've made enough money to pay back whatever you take plus, then you're going to present that money back to the, the, the people. So it was rather than put them in jail, but this was worse because yeah. they, they, were, they were sleeping in a barn, yep. you know, and then Lou would work them like 14 hours a day. And then when they got, then Lou would pay them at the end of their time, and then I would, I would, I would go get their check, and I said, okay, now we're going to go down and we're going to give this money to the person that that you took something from, and and now they they did all this work for for like whatever it could be a couple of weeks, could be three weeks, you know, and now all this money they earn. Now I said, here's what you took, was people. Now you've you've worked all these hours, so now you you give back what you basically what you took. Now as a coach, the easier thing would have been to just get rid of them. Yeah, that because that's the easiest way to do it. And so, but then you know, I'd kind of give the the player a choice. You know, here's yeah. choice. you could leave and go home, or you could earn back some respect. You know. And 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 this is the way you earn it back. I said it won't be fun. It's not supposed to be fun, but you got to know that what you what you took wasn't yours. And this is what you took from somebody that maybe didn't have as much as you have, or less. And now you've you've worked up. You've worked fifty six hours, and it was hard work, but you got. Nothing. So this is so what, you, and so you make a choice now. And and so, in in, uh, I'd say eighty percent of the instances, it it proved to be a positive thing. And then I'm and just like you said before, uh, I have not been a hundred percent successful with with problem with problem kids, uh, but I have been successful with like eighty percent of. Them. Yeah. And then there's a there's there's a few that just you, you no matter what you did you just couldn't get them to to do the things you wanted them to do. Yeah, the, it's something about the timing, something about the, where they're at in their life. They were too quick to give up on themselves, and you, you can only support them and give them the opportunity like that. Thank you for sharing that example because um, you know I, I don't have to say this, but I'll I'll admit um, the same thing. So I was fortunate enough to have the legal help of Lonnie Deland. Yeah, well, Lonnie was, Lonnie was really good, you yeah. know, and uh, he got me out of a lot of trouble. Yeah, well, Lonnie was Lonnie, even to this day, you know, about maybe eight, eight nine, ten years ago, I, you know, had uh, issue with, with, and it was it was an issue with with one of my high school, uh, one of my guys was coaching high school, and one of his kids got in trouble, and so then they they called me and said, hey, could you could you find me a lawyer that would understand what this kid's problem was. And then I took the kid and his parent and the coach that we met with Lonnie, and I said, okay, here's the problem, you know, and uh, obviously they, they have no money that they yeah. can afford a lawyer, and, and Lonnie was great, and, and we kind of were able to proceed forward and, and, and help the kid out and uh, try to get him back on the right track. Well, that's what I did. I had to work it off. 
Yeah. Uh, he, he hired me at his office because right. I, my parents, we couldn't afford it. Right. And so I had to actually work it off because I needed right. that legal help. And when I said he got me off, it wasn't like, I mean, he just, he went to bat for me and he right. believed that I wasn't a bad kid and that I was just in a bad situation. And, and we know now, and I don't think, um, bad, we don't have to get in a long discussion about this, but we know now that multiple concussions in a row cause a lot of problems that we didn't understand back then. Well, I think, yeah, that's, that's all come to come to light. And, uh, you know, that the, the fact of the fact that concussions are real, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, the, and the, it does take the number of hits you get like that does take a toll. And, well, and, and, and just like the the jersey right behind you, Junior Sales jersey, yeah, yeah. you know, it's he was the most extreme version of it. But right. the year that um, and I believe I talked about it on the podcast a long time ago. But for new listeners, yeah. um, I was fortunate enough to to have um, been honored with the I Love You Man Award the very right. first year we did right. it because right. we were in a restaurant and, and I broke down and told you something I'd been embarrassed for years. But I had had three concussions in one calendar year. Right. And I was really messed up. And, in fact, uh, Petron and them, when they were doing all my um, uh, CAT scans, I, I could I had a speech impediment. And I couldn't yeah, look. Yeah, something yeah, was really wrong. Yeah. And so they were like, cause, we can't clear it. I had yeah. to go to three neurologists at the U. And they were yeah. all like, you can't play again. And at that particular time, we didn't know that having concussions, which is why you take a kid's helmet from them, right. it makes people emotionally and mentally unstable. Right. Me and my fiance broke up and I had a very serious suicide attempt. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it was you that came down to the hospital at four o'clock morning. I was so ashamed because I knew my career was over. Right. I felt a failure because my older brothers were successful yeah. in the NFL. And I remember you standing above me just saying, I love you, man. Like, and you said the same thing. Like, this doesn't matter. Like, that football, that's just part of your life. Like, this isn't who you are. You can be so much better than that. Right. And that really turned me around yeah. those words you said. But you said that to so many players. Yeah in the same type of way. And that 80%, some of them are pastors now. Yeah. <laughs> Would you ever thought Harold Nelson was going to be a pastor? Yeah. No. Nate Kia, a bishop, look, Chad Kaha, he was a prop guy. And now he's a successful college coach. Like, right. So I want to get that, that part to you, Coach. Like, what does it do for you? Like, does it make you proud? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a good story about Junior, you know. So I'm coaching at Arizona. We're yeah. playing SC. And we're we're not we're running the option right, and uh, Glenn Parker, who was, uh, you know, played in the league for about ten years, and and he broke had broke his leg the week before, so we're playing SC at in Tucson, and Junior's playing defensive end, yeah, and uh, he's running down our option stuff from the backside, right? And advantage being that fast and that big, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. And he, you know, he destroyed, destroyed my whole night. Right? <laughs> yeah. He destroyed a lot of people's nights. Yeah. And so then afterwards, you know, we always, you know, we'd have if people over to the house for dinner, you know. So here comes Junior, and 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 uh, and I and I, I was either his dad or his uncle, and they knock on the door, right? I said, Junior, you just ruined my whole night. Now you want to come and have a free meal? <laughs> Oh man, but he was that type of guy. Like he wanted to hang out with you guys. Yeah, the yeah, polish, so you know I mean? he, yeah. So he walked in and sat down. I said, "Man, I said I'm gonna get ripped tomorrow by the head coach for 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 not making adjustments on the backside of the option stuff, and, and now you want a free meal." But you know, coach, that that's such a that's just that's you. Like yeah. I bet you guys talk about man, like and. 
he was such a lovable, kind, considerate oh, guy. Boy, so you, respectful, man. I tell you so what, what, what a great player. I mean, that guy was, I mean, he was, he was one of the best I've ever seen at the college level. There's yeah. no doubt. And, of course, his professional career was, you know, you never knew. He just They'd line him up in a lot of different spots. and yeah. just He was the San Diego Chargers for, like, 15 yeah. years. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't he, for him, they didn't have anything yeah, on defense compared to him. He didn't. He needed to stay retired the first time he retired, yeah. and then, of course, mentally he he was, you know, he just too much. That CTE, it's very it's, very it, real. It is very real. That's exactly so, right. So let's talk about your foundation now. So the Ron McBride Foundation. You could have done anything, but let, tell our listeners what well, you chose to focus on with your foundation. What well, you guys so been we doing? so probably it's maybe been ten years, maybe longer in. And so uh, it originally started with Lavelle and myself, yeah. okay? So what we were going to do is um, we're going to look for a couple of schools and um, hold a golf tournament and then build something at school. So we started, we built a library at one school first, and then we built a book, a, a, bought all new books at another school, did some other things, looked at it, you know. So we, that's how it all started. And it started a very... Uh, low-key type thing, and then in, in talking to different principals, uh, maybe three, it probably was the three years later, we we said, okay, let's talk to the principals and find out what, what they need. So we talked to principals in the Salt Lake City School District, the Granite School District, the Jordan School District, uh, and up in the Ogden School District. Okay, what do you need? Well, we need something to occupy these kids from three to six. And it's because that's when all of our kids get in problems. And there's no such thing anymore as truancy. So if a kid doesn't show up to school, so what? You don't you don't have somebody tracking him, you don't have somebody. Yeah. So we want to give these kids a reason to be at school and give them, you know, and so with these after school programs that that, that we start, I think we have fourteen schools now. And wow. we have we have like uh uh, four different things that we do besides that, maybe five. We just built a track out at Glendale Middle School, which was a six-year project. So yeah. six years ago, okay, I so I met with the athletic director at at Glendale. I said, okay, what do you need? He said, we need a track, you know. To I said, okay. I said, well, you know, that'll be a project for us. And so then we started working on it little by little. And we didn't have, at that time, we didn't have, we weren't a financially secure, you know, so little by little we were raising the money, little pieces. Yeah, yeah, little pieces. Uh, And then uh, Kim Gardner gave us a huge boost. And, and, uh, and then uh, uh, James Yepius from the Sully City School District and, and, you know, obviously the the uh, Eccles Foundation, Gail Miller, you know, all those people came and helped us get the this track done. Awesome. And and uh, so it, it it was it was amazing that we, you know, we had this vision, and we put it together and and, uh, and to see those kids uh, the day we opened the track. And they had a, it was it was great, and then all the people that supported it, you yeah. know, were were there, and uh, 
that this community is great because there's a lot of people in this community that care about young people. Yeah. And they want to better their lives. Family orientated. And yeah. Well, if I, other kids don't have solid families, they want to help them out. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was out, at, we were out at uh, West Jordan Middle School, uh, what's today, Thursday was, uh, I think Tuesday we were out there, Joanne Wells and myself, and and just to see all those kids in the after school program, right? And, the, and to see the interaction with their teachers, which was really yeah. good, because they had like eight or nine different things that were going on over there, and I can remember going in and, and watching the teacher, the teacher's in the middle, and they got kids playing chess, right? Yeah. And the teacher is kind of just mimicking every move. No, no, you're like this. No, no. And the kids, you know. Yeah. And, and then when the checkmate, you know, one of the other kids, hey, 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 Harold, move it there. Move it there, you know. <laughs> and, and, and then the kid said, checkmate, I got it. Yeah. And the, and the kid that lost, he was so gracious. He said, nice job, you know, to the other kid. And then they had a group of kids that were uh, – creating were wanting to be screenwriters you oh, know, wow, or, wow. or or literature people. So they're all sitting there, spot 10 of them, and they're sitting around and they're telling their story about what they're, yeah. you know, describing different characters that they're putting up, you know. Yeah. And one student was particularly brilliant, you know, and he, he and I forget, he, was, he had a certain person. I said, well, describe what this person is. Yeah. And, and. And Joanne Wells, who's been a writer, writer for years, you know, so she asked the 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 young lady questions, and then yeah. she would answer. Help okay. build the character. Yeah, help yeah. build the character. And and then they had a another group that was uh, they were they were doing Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. you know, another gig, and then. And, and the teachers are involved with the them. Teacher, the teachers That's are That's really important that they see a different side of the teacher. Absolutely, because the relationship is different yep. when, you, when you're working, with, because now the kids will open up to that person that's yeah. an adult and talk to them about what their problems are. They're not just an authority figure, they're a person to them. Yeah, they're a person to them. And so, so they, and, and, and you know, it helps that, that the principal is awesome, the vice principal is awesome, the 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 events person is it, they all care about the kids yeah and it all starts with the principal yeah if the principal is really good absolutely and really and really caring then then it all starts and then same thing with the, the principal at Glendale she's she's awesome they have they have I mean they have a in the in the grammar school track program they have 125 kids wow and in and in the junior high they have another in another seventy-five kids, you know. So just in just in the track program, there's a couple of hundred kids. Yeah. Just in the track program alone, and then their their rugby, their soccer, their their uh, dance programs, their 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 tutoring programs, their their you know just every they offer so many different things for these kids, and then the kids can come in and and. Uh, Computers at one school, computers are huge, you know. Yeah. And um, well, I think you said something about it. it. Really, is the principal because the principal is ultimately the head coach. Yeah, the principal. If yeah. the principal is invested, then you're going to have a successful program. I, I see that at so I I told you that I've been teaching at Harriman High School the past right, few years. Right. Todd Kornberg. It's the same way. It's just yeah. like 
all the kids, they love the principal because he knows that he walks around. He knows in my name, just like right. what you did with us. Right. Right. That was one thing that always impressed me about you is that even if like you'd made a hundred people, I don't know how you did it, but you'd always remember their name and something about them. Something mm -hmm. usually funny or comical that made that person not just feel like you remembered them, but it made them feel like there's a connection because you never knew in, in the future you may need that person or they may need you. And that was something you always did. You invested in learning something about someone, remembering their name and the principals that do the same thing. They have the ripple effect to their teachers, to their kids. And I'm just, I, I didn't, when I was talking about the, the nonprofit recently, now that you're explaining it, it helps me understand even more. You're doing the same thing, but instead with college kids, you're going down to the beginning. You want to get them before. Yeah. Because helping kids at 18, 19 is a lot yeah. harder. The, the learned habits start probably when you're in the fourth grade, yeah. okay? And then, you, and then you kind of start. So what we're trying to do is, is get down to that junior high grammar school kids and, and, and have, have a, uh, a way to improve their life and make them a lot, a lot happier people and more where they feel that people care about them uh, because a lot of young people, you know, they're, they're uh, uh, you know, they're searching because they're, they're either lost or, or they don't have a, you know, single parent at home and they're, or they're brought up by their grandmother. They don't feel like they're belong to something, like they're they, part of something. Yeah, in other words, and so, the more you can feel that you're part of something, and it's and it's and it's not in a, a but it's more in a fun situation, and and more like okay, you know, I can't wait till I get to play chess after school. I can't wait till I can go to dance club after school. I can't wait to go to, uh, you know, the competitive <coughs> a competitive deal in 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 uh, screenwriting even. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's all, it and it's and it's fun to see the kids involved in it, see their stories, listen to what they're doing, and uh, so yeah, it so it makes your yeah. kind of makes your life worth worthwhile. In other words, yeah. you feel like okay, yeah, sure, I'm eighty three, I think now, something like that, and and so, but now I'm able to give back to to the community. And you're able to do what you did with football and prove that it's a universal truth. You right. can do this with any type of kid and obviously you know you have you know you have daughters and stuff like that so you know not everybody's going to play football yeah like that's just a small percentage of the human population everybody needs to belong to something they need to have an interest and also too in today's world i i, I commend you so much for doing this because in today's world it has become more about the individual yeah so many people get lost in their devices so many people me 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 but at the end of the day and a lot of um, the best research that I follow comes from the psychologist uh, by the name of, um, sorry, Matthew Lieberman, where he actually talks about it saying living for yourself is much harder than if you're living to better the lives of other people. Right. If you're living like, what could I do to help others? Then you learn actually more about yourself because right. individual pursuits don't teach you who you really are. Yeah. You know, and the more, what, what we would like, what we would, you know, my goal is for, uh, for us, for my foundation, to have a bigger voice in education in the state of Utah, especially with the Prop One school. Yeah. So that, that we have enough invested financially to where 
you can help guide policies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. in other words, Influence. you have more of a voice in, and where you can improve. And you don't do it overnight. You just don't walk in and 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 say, "Oh, we're going to throw, you know, twenty grand at you, and then you're going to listen to us." But you got to throw throw something at them to help the program. Then you've got to follow up, and you got to like like Joanne uh, will go out and she gets a report back from all the schools of what yeah. they're doing. And then we'll go out and and we'll check on what they're what they're doing to make sure that that, that everything is is uh, and the principals we got all our principals are really good people you know I mean they're caring they love the kids they're, and you know them you've built those relationships yeah, with them so, all the time and so and then you you like like uh, Ken who's on our board is up in the Ogden School District. And he keeps us track of everything that goes on up there because he and and he's on our board and he's really good. So so we know kind of what's going on up there. You know they've done some really good things at at Ben Lomond High School and, and at Ogden High School and at Highland Middle School and you know all these different schools we have up there and, and really good principals. You know yeah. and uh, you know you can see a difference just of. of the attitudes of the kids in the in the in the school, and uh, so it's it's really it's it's gratifying to see you know kids having joy on their face and they're happy with what they're doing and yeah so it's 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 way uh, way good. And I imagine I'm just guessing, but I imagine for you because you know when you just said you're 83 years old, listening you talk right now, hearing you on the radio. You're sharp. In fact, you made me laugh right before we came on the podcast. We're, we're in the parking lot, and I was walking in, I was walking in here. He's on the phone. <laughs> he brought me back to my 18-year-old self. <clears throat> he was on the phone with someone. He's like, yeah, we're having a workout. You're going to come? And all of a sudden, you hear on the other end, he's like, coach is like, wait, so you got a hurt elbow. He's like, well, you can still run, can't you? <laughs> yeah. And the kid's like, well, I can hear the kid. And I started busting up laughing because – this is a guy that's like, hey, listen, I'm giving you an opportunity. Let's go. Like, come on. And you, you, you give that as an example. You're not sitting around saying, oh, here's what the state of Utah needs in education. You're going to the principals. You're saying, what do you need? And mm -hmm. then as you help them with what they need, then they'll listen to all your wisdom and knowledge, hence your OG experience, mm -hmm. saying this worked at a university with kids. And as a goal, as a coach, as a coach, you couldn't have the goal to help them as they're younger because yeah. you had a job to help them from 18 to 23. Yeah, yeah. That was your job. But now you get to go and start from the very beginning. It's really preventative yeah. in so much of a way that I can tell you, Coach, our society, as you know, you don't need me to tell you this, our society, unfortunately, has become very socially unhealthy. Oh, well, yeah. So what has happened with social media and all the way kids have a way of being really mean to each other? Yeah. And especially if you're a little bit of a kid that doesn't have a lot of confidence in herself or his self, and, and all of a sudden the kids are, or you know, like the bully, bullying or whatever it is, they say, oh, yeah, you, you look really stupid today. Your, your hair really looks bad, you, look, you know. And all of a sudden yeah. this kid goes home thinking, oh, nobody cares about me, you know, instead of saying, hey, Come on, sit at our table, you know, and yeah. and and, uh, and you know you have to have a a sense of belonging and uh, and and belonging to the right to the right group because you can get 
you know, because anytime you got a, a group that's kind of going off the off the uh, off the wire, well, they're always looking for that person, yeah, to bring into their group because they say, okay, hey, you know, so and so, we get so and so to come down. Yeah, with a, it's like having a bad locker room. Yeah, you know, one guy is not doing well, and he becomes really negative because in what he's doing, he's looking for that next guy that will listen to what he has to say, and pretty soon. You got two or three or four of those guys in your locker room, and then they destroy your football team. Absolutely. That chemistry, and you don't need, it doesn't even have to be a young kid, doesn't even have to be a part of a gang. It should be a bad group of friends. Yeah. People that demean them and talk down to them and never lift them up and encourage them to do, you know, good things. Yeah. So, so we have one, one, uh, one, one young guy out at uh, Juan Diego High School right now that, that came in from another school. And then, then there was a couple. There was one guy out there that maybe not having a lot of success, and so he's he's trying to bring this kid into his circle, right? Yeah. And I I just I I met with him a couple of weeks ago, and I said, "Hey, dude, you know these guys, you're you're having some success here, and you can continue to have success." And I know some people have said you're you're stupid or you're this or you're that, but I said I I know you're too smart because I I watched you work on your computer, and I know you can do this. And I know you can do this, but if you're hanging around with these with guys that aren't having success, they want to draw you into that. I said you need to get you need to get rid of the negative people. Stay with the positive people, and that way it's going to bring you up. And this kid has a real chance because he's. He's very, he's really, really pretty smart. I watched him, you know, so he's, he's all BSing these people like he's not smart, right? And I said, okay, do this on a computer, right? Boom, 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 boom. Look, yeah. You're like, like, you've been playing these people. You I know said, how to do the work. I said, I said so, this, so you're pretending like you're stupid, but you're not. I said, because you know how yeah. quick you answer these questions? I said, so you're, I, so, so this, this non-smart thing, you're playing, it doesn't work because <laughs> you, you, you made that computer light up like it was singing. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully he continues to, you know, he's only, a, I think he's a sophomore out there and, and hopefully he, you know. But this is another great example of there's always kids coming up that have the potential, but they need to be coached up. Yeah, they, they need to be taught up. They need to be given the skills right. and the self-confidence will follow. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you can't listen to people, well, that kid's no good or that kid's, you know, he doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. And, you know. and you're not just doing that for the kids. You're also doing that for the coaches and teachers too, because it, you can see it's easy for, and I saw you with, with, cause a lot of times you'd have some of your friends as your coaches on the staff. And I, I'd overhear some times where you'd get mad at them for, for getting too mad at the kids and not coaching them up. Right. So you gotta, you gotta continually be that example. Hey, listen, that kid may be making your job harder, but it's your job to bring the kid up. Well, Don't yeah. give up on them too quickly. Cause it's a difficult job. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you hear a lot of times coaches, coaches say, ah, oh, the guy's, <laughs> no, the guy's no good, you know, and, and doesn't belong here. He doesn't. Well, and I said, well, who recruited him? Well, I did. Well, you recruit them. You're responsible. Yeah. So, 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 so 
figure out what you got to do. And then a lot of guys just, you know, they they don't want to, you know, it's like a minister. They don't want to deal with that kid. Yeah. Because it's a problem for them. Well, yeah. Coach, I'm so glad that not only are you not one of those guys, but you've taught other people how to stay in the fight, how to stay. Because it's, eat like, one of the things you, you used to always say that I'll never forget. <laughs> I don't know if you still use uh, this this uh, this statement, but you, you'd always say, are you looking for a way in or are you looking for a way out? Exactly. Yeah. And you asked me that one time and I was like, I'd never heard that before. But I thought about it, whether it was chores when I was growing up, whether it was homework, whether it was working out off season, I was always looking for a way out. Yeah. And I was never looking for a way in. And I just never heard it put like that before. And so mm-hmm. those types of things that you plant the seed in someone's mind and, you know, you, you remember that. And I was like, you know what? I didn't want to be that guy anymore. I was tired of being the kid that was talented but lazy. Yeah. The kid that was, oh, you're smart, but you're stupid. You know, those yeah. are weird things yeah. that people would say. They'd give you a compliment like, you know, you're not that bad. I was like, wait, what? I'm not that bad? And so I'm so glad that you've been an example as a coach. Now you're taking what is learned as a coach. You're helping out in education. You know, I work in education now, too, and I know how much it's needed. And on this podcast, sometimes before I end up just to, to wrap it up, um, I like to do a little word association. Okay. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask, I'm going to say two phrases or in this case is names. Okay. And when you hear, hear the person's name, I want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. And then after you say the first thing that comes to your mind, just elaborate a little bit about your feelings about that person. Okay. 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 So the first one, Lavelle Edwards. Oh, a, a great friend, you know, unique human being. Uh, never, he represented the the the, uh, uh, the values of of BYU to to the utmost. Um, he was he was the greatest representative for the church across the United States. You know, the guy everybody knew who he was and. And respected what it was all about. Yeah. No, this is my opinion, but I'd he I'd heard a couple of interviews that um that he did when I was playing there in the nineties when right. you guys had some good battles. And I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I think he was one of the best promoters of Utah football. Oh yeah. Because when you guys like you guys became friends, but he respected you. Because yeah. he knew what you did over at Utah. And then out of nowhere, when you guys were doing the commercials, right, the bank commercials, he would always say, hey, people would say, oh, BYU's better than Utah. And he'd be like, hey, man, Utah, McBride. Like, he would always say positive, good things about it. And that really changed it. So it made it a rivalry that was like one of those healthy rivalries. But he always gave mad respect and credit to you and the university. So there was a great story on, on Lavelle. So I'm at, in Tampa um, many years ago. And my son-in-law and I are playing golf, at a, and nobody plays golf in, in Florida in the summer, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're playing golf, and so we're, we're, we're sitting in the, the bar afterwards having lunch, right? And this, I can remember this waitress saying, where are you guys from? You know, like, what are you doing yeah. here? You know? And I said, well, you know, we're from Utah, you know. And, uh, and at that time, my son-in-law, I think, I forget where he was coaching at that time, and, and he said, Oh yeah, you you got, yeah you got the guy that that's the coach that's the head of the church out there, you know. I said, she said, and she said a guy named Liddell. No, I said it's Lavelle, and and 
they this girl thought that 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 they were that uh, the the Mormons were like were like. Those guys with their black hats. And oh, the uh, the Amish. The Amish, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys have black hats and you're riding these little carts around with your horses? I said, no, no, that's a it's it's a it's an LDS church. It's, it's yeah. called the Mormon Religion, and and Lavelle's the head football coach at at Brigham Young University. Well, isn't he? Is he's but he's head of the church, right? I said, no, he's he's he, no, he's not head of the church. She thought he was the prophet. He's not the prophet. But I said, he's close to him. He's close prophet. to him. He's close to the prophet, but he's not the prophet. I said, and then she said, well, you know, I've learned a lot today. <laughs> so, and you but, told Lavelle that, right? Yeah, so it was so funny. I said, yeah, she knew right away, yeah. And, and the, you're like the, the guys with the black hats and the horses and, the, you know, no. And no, no electricity. No electricity, no no telephones. I said, no, no, no. We're, you know, we're. They got electricity. Yeah, we're more we're a modern <laughs> modern society. That's why Liddell, the prophet, the prophet. Yeah, <laughs> I could see you going, "Hey, prophet, come here." Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. And I can remember going to. I would go down there and speak every once in a while, and he would always say, "Okay, when you come down here, don't be funny." <laughs> I said, "You know, you don't want me to say I just dropped a six pack of beer off on your front porch." Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Don't tell those jokes. Don't tell those jokes. No jokes. No nothing. Just come down here, say a few words, and then get in your car and go home. Well, I tell you what, Lavelle had his fair share of characters throughout his years too. My brother was one of them. Oh yeah, he had to deal with a lot of red guys too back in those days, especially in the eighties. Sure did. He was, and you know what? He was great at handling those kids. Oh, he was amazing. My brother loved. I mean, he was that very same thing. Like just. He just was like that father figure to everybody. Everybody loved Lavelle. Everybody yeah, did. Yeah, exactly. And he brought the best out of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I got, I got one more for you. Okay. You ready? Vicki McBride. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, we were married 62 years, you know, and she, you know, we we moved 18 times. 18? Yeah, wow, 18 times. And uh, she's really, you know, to be a, uh, a coach's wife is pretty hard because yeah. usually you you know you have to kind of adapt to whatever situation comes up and and she's allowed me to be to kind of move from job to job and 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 not complain about it just kind of and then she's had she's probably had fifteen different jobs you know yeah. and, and plus got her, her got her degree at the same time and finished her education and and um, and has really ad- adapted and she was really the one that raised the you know our kids and and she's the one that would say okay you're making this much money as a coach I need to make this much money to pay the bills yeah so she would have it all figured out as to okay here's how much money I need to make to make sure we can pay pay our bills and and then she would get a job accordingly to pick up the slack of what needed to be done and uh, so she's kind of the uh, ultimate partner right well yeah the ultimate partner and and uh, you know she has a lot of ammunition on me that she's never (laughs) because I was a little little bit of a free spirit too you're a red were you a red guy too I'm definitely a red guy (laughs) 
so she kind of raised me too, right? I bet. So, so. Uh, well, you know, everybody loves your wife. Yeah. Well, everybody yeah. loves Vicky. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's a cliche for guys to say, "Oh, I couldn't do without my wife," but I, I could you imagine if you never married or never met her? Would you imagine the success would have been anything close to what it was? Well, she was right. You know, we were married in college. Yeah. And um, she made sure that I, I, I got my degree. She made sure that that that, uh, and we had three kids by the time we got out of college wow. and and she was and she her, her her and she came from a real academic family you know education was really important to her to her dad and her mom and 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 so she was a big believer in education and and you're pushing you to or oh, you turn in this paper you got this paper done you got this paper done you know you got so this. she was the one that taught you how to pe- bring someone from the red into the green yeah, because she of. did with you. Yeah, because she was dealing with me. Yeah, and she did a great job with our kids because the kids are all oh yeah are all given back to society and, and so yeah. And she's hardcore. She's not. A, she doesn't play. She's not know? a pushover. She's old school, huh? She's old. Boy, I tell you, you know, I, and and um, and she's been through a lot. And uh, it pretty when you really look back at it, it's pretty pretty amazing because you know I, you know, just. I can still remember when I got fired at Utah, and um, and my wife and and uh, two of my daughters were out shopping, right? And that was maybe, and I was at Fresno Fresno State, and they were playing in a bowl game, and they were in Fresno, and I took a job at the University of Kentucky over the phone, yeah, and I I came, they came back from shopping, you know. I said, well, I'm I'm going to Kentucky on Monday. Doing what? I said, football coach. Are you crazy? <laughs> you know? And my wife said, I'm not going to Kentucky. And I said, well, I said I just took the job, you know. And and uh, so on Monday, you know, I was I was coaching football at Kentucky, right? And so then she had to figure out. Yeah. Okay. And what's more, okay, because we had because they they owed me a couple of years on my contract at Utah, and we had enough money to where we could you know we could we could, little wiggle room. Yeah. We so and so she figured well you know just we'll go back everything will be cool. Then all of a sudden she's got to, she's going to Kentucky you know which is and then. She, and every and every, all our family was in the West, you know. Yeah. So so yeah, that was a that was a tough one. And then when we came back to Weber, you know, then then that was that was an interesting thing too because I'd had a, you know, and she was gone a lot when I was at Kentucky because she would spend more time with the kids out west. Yeah, you know? she wanted to be the grandkids and everything, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she so. She's like, you go do your thing. I'm going to hang out with the kids. Yeah, but fortunately for me, she was in, she was at home in Kentucky when I had a heart attack, right? Oh, that's and right. So, yeah. And so here I am. I'm, it's three o'clock in the morning, and I'm sweating like crazy, and and going through this thing. And I said, I don't know what's the matter with me. And she says, Oh, you're having a heart attack. I said, No, I'm not. No. She says, Yes, you are. So she took me, she, she said, get in the car. She took me right to the UK hospital and 
and 15 minutes later, I, I was upstairs, you know. Wow. But, but but if she hadn't been there, there's no doubt, doubt I would have passed, you know, because the, the, the major artery was completely blocked. I remember, I remember when that was on the news, and I heard about that. Yeah. I didn't know that that's how you got to the hospital. That she yeah. was actually there. Yeah, she was there. She's like, "Hey, you're having, you're having a heart attack, dude." I said, "No, I'm not." And then she gets on the phone with Doctor Belknap, who's our guy here, and yeah. and he's 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 taking her right to take him here, take him here, take him here, and then he's on the phone. He's on the phone with the ER people at at the Kentucky Hospital, telling them what to do, oh. right? And so. It just happened so fast, and she said, "Oh no, you're having a heart attack, and and we need to go right now." I said, "She said, well, call the ambulance, right?" And I, she said, "No, I'll take you." And then boom. So yeah, she. So she kept me. She kept me alive for another day. Right. Not only did she give you the lives of your kids, she saved your life too. Yeah, exactly. And um, so yeah, it's a, it's a trip. That is a trip, Coach. Thank you so much. And, and the, these, some of these questions at the very end, selfishly to my listeners, because I know a lot of people, yeah. former players and fans be listening to this. I just, I never knew these things, Coach. I really wanted to know, like, what drove you? Like, like why you were doing all these things and what were you thinking? Like, the whole entire red to green thing, I never even heard of that before. Yeah. I didn't know about all these inner, like, these inner workings that were happening behind the scenes. But I'm telling you, Coach, you truly are, you know, just one of those people that, the choices you made throughout your life to put you in this position, have this type of influence. Mm -hmm. I know the city of Salt Lake, the state of Utah, all your former players, the school districts, the kids. I know everybody's very grateful for your heart and your compassion. And you're just not giving up on people. That's the thing I love mm -hmm. about you the most. So thank well, you, the one, you know, and I've made a lot of mistakes in my lifetime, you know, and some ways survived them, you know, but, but, uh, you know, I had my good my good times and, you know, hanging out with the boys and doing doing things that, that are a little bit crazy. But, but it, you know, it, it's just fortunate, you know. I've been really blessed. Football is really, the, the game of football uh, has, really, has really done so much for my life, just the game and the players, you know, more than anything else. And then, and then having her... And her picking up the slack, you know, and not complaining too much, and just saying, "Okay, here's what we got to do," and and doing what she what she needed to do without, you know, you know, she she would complain at times, but just not not really complaining. She's just, she's old school. She's tough. She's not a whiny. No, kind of no, 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 You know, no. crying, complain. I since I've known her, she's always been get stuff done. You yeah. call her, she gets it done. She yeah, makes things happen. Uh, yeah, she knows what she. She, uh, she's just like today. She says, "Okay, you need to leave right now. You need to be make sure you're on time." She says she put it in the phone, yep. make sure you're there. And then she was on the phone. I with, texted her. She'll cause. I'll get him there on time. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So she, she said she kept saying, "Get out! You gotta go! You gotta go! You're gonna be late." I said, "Hey, it only take 15 minutes to get there." No, but you, it'll take you longer. You know. So, uh, but. You know, she made she made sure I was uh, made sure I was on time, and That's so and, great. and she's on the she's on the deal with Hank Mendoca. You know, who's yeah. having the having the deal at at the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah. And so she's saying, "Okay, right, Hank, we're 
Where's that? Where are you going to have it at? How much it needs to be? So she's she, your handler. She's she's <laughs> she's not even going to the game, you know. <laughs> but she's handling everybody. She'll put a GPS tracker on you. So okay, take a right in this hallway. Yeah. So everybody. So so she's making sure you know. She makes sure that I got you know I got Kelly and Red to make sure I get there yeah. safe. Then okay, then. They're going to make sure she's you got do. people on the ground. You got people on the ground, yeah. And then, and then, it, with earpieces that came, McBride, McBride's coming up the stairs. Yeah, and then I know they, the Hank said, "You better make sure Vicky's coming to the game." I said, "Well, that'll be. We'll see." That she's one. a mission control, calling all the shots. Yeah, she's calling all the shots. <laughs> but, but hey, she she's reluctant to get on a to get in a car and drive it. She's a I ain't Plus, Pasadena that. coach. Nah, yeah. to get in and out of there—that's yeah. a long. That's an all-day affair. Yeah, but they're. Uh, but the university's been really, really good, you know. And and uh, the odd thing, you know, this is a great story. I don't know if we're still. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, heck yeah. Give so me. I go in. So I go up there uh, a couple of days ago to kind of get the tickets and get get uh, get all you know. Get a sideline side pass and all that stuff so I can make sure that. Yeah. So I walk into to uh, there's a big meeting going on up up at up with the uh, with all the people that are running the university from the athletic side. So I walk in there. Here's Shamel Green, Keith Embry, Manny Hendricks, Manny, yep, Keith, yeah, uh, Jeff, you know, and all these people that that had played at the university. They're all back, and then Mark, the AD, who was yeah, who was a, he was a GA for me at at Arizona. He said he set up all the all the drills, you know. Yeah. He was a Dick Tommy guy, so I'm looking around. I'm thinking, oh my god, look at this! It almost made you want to cry to see oh, yeah. see these people, you know, that all had, you know, Shomel was a center fielder on the softball team and. Manny was a great basketball player yeah. there, played in the NFL for a long time. And you had a big part of bringing him in back then. I remember when yeah, I, was, I was here when yeah. you brought Manny in or they brought him in, yeah. Yeah, and then and then they brought Charmel back and then they brought Keith back. And, and just to see that, that you know, and then Jeff, who, who had been, who had been Kyle's kind of, you know, did all the grunt work for Kyle. Yeah. Now he's up with the administrative part of it. So you got all these people sitting around a, and they're running the university the athletics, athletics. Yeah. athletic department, and they're all great guys. Like when Keith got the job, like recently, I emailed him and said, "Man, uh, they couldn't have picked a better guy." Oh, Keith yeah, was yeah, no, yeah. he was always in the study lab, taking yeah. it serious. Yeah, and I tell you what, Ron Coleman, um, who was an instructor on yeah. campus at at that time, Ron, I remember Ron. I know his daughter too. Ron yeah. Coleman took Keith under his under his yeah. under his arm and really helped him to to get his master's and helped him to. Get you know doctor's degree and and just kept pushing him to 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 go higher and higher. All right. And um, and Manny could be an AD any like he could be an AD in lots of colleges, man. Manny's yeah, Man, the best, Manny, man. Manny's done. He's a, a huge asset to the school. Manny, Manny's done a great job. And and uh, the thing about Manny, Manny's a real loyal kid to. He's not a kid anymore. He's, <laughs> he's a I kid mean, to he's, you, coach. he's he's sixty yeah. years old. Uh, I don't know why you call him. I you know yeah. I think if I think all those people as kids, you know, I, know. I mean, but they're yeah. all like because they're like, your kids. Yeah, kids, you. So I walk in there and I and Shamel, you know, she's dressed really nice, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
The only thing I remember about Chamel is you know, she always had a glove in her back pocket and she wore shorts and yeah. some kind of a weird outfit, right? Yeah. And I'm looking and I, I look at her. She was a softball player. <laughs> yeah. And she's all dressed up, right? I'm saying, holy shit, you look pretty good, Chamel. Yeah, she's <laughs> professional. I said, I, said, probably. I said, where'd you get that good gigs? And she, <laughs> she said, that's how you have to dress when you're a professional. I said, Holy crap, you, you still see us as young 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds. I, I, I huh? said, that's a $500 outfit you got on or whatever. <laughs> you didn't get it off the rack someplace. And she, and she goes, Coach, look, I'm a professional now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what everybody, when anyone ever runs into you, you always have the clever, funny things to say. That's why Lavelle said, don't say anything funny, Coach, but say it to me when no one else is around. Yeah, so I, so I, so Embry's sitting around yeah. all these deals. Yeah. So Embry was on the housewife's thing, right, right? Oh, he was. I didn't see yeah. that. Okay. Oh, so so they got him, they got him around this circle with uh, with one of the a couple of the housewives and and. By the way, if Coach was your coach, you could anyone could get it. He could make fun of any of us at any yeah. time. Go ahead, continue. And, then, and so Sharif is there, yeah, and, sure. and his wife and and this other lady, yeah. and they had set Keith up with the other lady, right? Yeah. And I'm I got to watch that episode. I didn't know he was on an episode. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways. I'm watching this episode, and Keith got no game whatsoever. <laughs> Keith, <laughs> and, and, and so, so I love it. I, so I've watched, I've watched it, and I'm looking. And she's asking the 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 young ladies, asking Keith some questions. You know, yeah. oh yeah, and he's talking like an academic <laughs> academic guy. And I tell you what, I am laughing so hard. Uh-oh, I said, gosh, that's must-see TV. Yeah, you got to know. So then he's sitting there this deal with all these professional people around. Yeah. I said, I said, any people ever watched The Housewives of, of uh, Salt Lake City when Keith was on there and he was had a date that they set up for him? And I said, he got no game. <laughs> and all these, like, oh, and, and, and he's like this. <laughs> and, then, and then all these people going, these professional people, you know, they they, they wanted to laugh, you know, but they're oh, just... Yeah. But they're, like, looking at Keith like that. But Keith knew. I'd say, if Coach McBride is in the room, like, every time we come in, like, yeah, oh, you're, you're tripping, cause Like, that's part of the being a part of that club, though. So, like, when, when Coach McBride makes fun of you, it's an honor. It's yeah, an honor. Yeah, so so I, I, I sent an apology to Keith. Hey, Keith, I'm sorry, man. I couldn't, I couldn't pass it off, you know? <laughs> Oh, you know he loved it. You know yeah. he loved it. He loved it. But, but you know, Coach, let's do this. I just had a great idea. Let's end it like this. Would you, because you've coached so many thousands of guys throughout the years, and so many of them are going to share this podcast. I know I'm going to share with all of our guys, right? Um, could, could you just like parting words, like just what, what would you like to say to all your parents, like all your players, like for, from your heart, honestly? Because well, we know you, we always say what you've done for us. Yeah, but well, I, I would say that, that, I'm so proud of all you. You're not boys anymore. You're adults. I'm so proud of what you've become and how you've handled adversity in your lives and 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 how you've been able to rebound from any problems you have. And then how much respect I have for what what you've what what you've become and what you've done with your education. And your education has allowed you to to do. To have a job that you enjoy doing, and and that you're able to give back to uh, to society, because the majority of those red guys are either policemen, FBI guys, social workers, social workers, 
And they're all, but they're all given back. And aren't those the best guys to connect with kids? Oh the yeah, red they, guys? they know exactly how those kids are thinking. Yeah, because they they were there. <laughs> One of those kids. Yeah, man. I, I was, and they could say I was messed up just like you, dude. When I was when I was fifteen or fourteen years old, you know, and and uh, and it's and it's so much fun, you know. I mean, I mean, I got Henry Cafusi now is is big in the church, you know. He's like he's Man, like that's a great he's like story. A, he's like a bishop or something, and and I can remember one of Kautai's kids was going out on a mission, and I'm at the deal, and, and I'm sitting there, and and all of a sudden I hear this voice up in front, you yeah, know, on the, and he's saying, "Well, you know, uh, I think it's time to, uh, to pass the bread," and I'm looking. Like, I know I'm that looking, voice. It's Henry. I said, "Oh, Henry," <laughs> you know. But you know, like, like miracles I, can happen. Yeah, yeah. And here's Henry. At, at one time, you're kind of worried about Henry. Yeah. But now, you know. So, so Henry. So the mom used to kind of evaluate the boys of where they are in the pecking oh, order. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, so Henry. So Henry was kind of down, down towards <laughs> the bottom. And so I said. So Henry worked from maybe number eight. To he's get all, all the way up to the top. He's all the way up to the top now. So he's he's like he's like right behind Rich probably now. So it would be <laughs> it would be Henry, then Rich, then then maybe uh, uh, you know Steve, and then and then Jeff. You know, oh, and yeah. so his, the other ones kind of worked their way down. He worked his oh, way yeah. up. <laughs> so he's he's in a, he's number two in the pecking order now. <laughs> Well, coach, you always you always uh, played uh, unfair. You'd always call kids moms because you know, especially with the Paul, certain families like the Polynesian kids, you call their mom. I'll never forget. I showed up in your office one day and I had a nose ring in. My hair was long. You're like, oh yeah. And you picked up the phone. You looked at your Rolex. You called my mom and heard my mom's voice. I was so scared. You told my mom I had a nose ring in, and she, oh my gosh, she was like, "You better take that out." She was threatening me. I looked at you like, "How dare you call my mom?" That was cold blooded, yeah. <laughs> but it worked. I took my nose ring out. So. Yeah. So whatever you do is you 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 call the person that's in control. Oh yeah. You know? now, so, my mom was in control for yeah. sure. So whoever was in control, you call yeah. that person. And say, "Okay, hey, your kid's screwing up over here," and so he's gonna he's in he's in some trouble. And he better straighten out, otherwise he's going to be back home with you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that makes sense to oh, yeah. who's ever in control. You ain't sending this kid home. No, no. no. <laughs> my mom literally said, "If you don't, if you if that's in your nose, you come home. I'm gonna rip it out of your face." And my mom wasn't playing. So, <laughs> and I and I would always tell those Polynesian kids when they're leaving the island. I said, "There's," I tell their par parents, you know, okay, the kid's going to have some problems. He's going to want to come home at some point. Just tell them there's no return flight. Did you? No way, because I called home asking for, to come home, and she's like, you can't come home. That's right. I just, yeah. <laughs> now it makes sense why I could never come home, because she was like, so no, no, you can't come no, home. No, I said, I always tell oh, parents, man. no return flight. The kids, if, that was the best thing. If the kid's not, kid's not happy and he's struggling, so when he calls, I need to come home, you know, these guys aren't treating me right, right. I said, just tell them Hey, there's no return flight. It, it makes all the sense in the world now why you would have our two days in Camp Carbon. Yeah, well, yeah, take us all the way away from the city, put in a place where guys knew if they quit, they yeah. couldn't get home. That's they exactly were stuck. I wanted, I wanted the players to be miserable. Yeah, you and know? you did a very good job at yeah, that. Very good I job wanted, of that. I wanted it to be where where 
where people weren't making a good living. The the mines were were getting shut down. Oh, yeah, it was a tough and, people you know, out there, man. Tough and, times. And what I wanted, I, I wanted the our guys. There's to, dirt on the football field we're practicing. That oh, was yeah. not a nice field. We're yeah. And I wanted to be uncomfortable. I wanted the living to be uncomfortable. I wanted it was hot. To, yeah, I didn't. I didn't want it to be. You know, it, 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 the more uncomfortable I could make it, the better it was. Well, know? it created us a bond. It created a bond after Camp Carbon. You were a team. Yeah, it forced you to. It forced you to come together because you yeah. had no choice. You know, and so. But yeah. the funnest part, though, all the former players know the very end when we do the skits. Yeah, oh yeah. The skits at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> we can't say uh, some of the things that happened, but I just want to give a shout out to Rob, uh, um, Rob Hamilton. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I you for you some what. of your funny skits. <laughs> oh, I tell you, Rob. Now, Rob. Or eating, I eat uh, Rocky Mountain oysters for the first time, fried yeah. frog legs for the first time there. Yeah. Well, oh, I man. tell you what. So, Rob was a trip, you know. So, he, and <laughs> another always, guy. Yeah, and, you know, so when we'd always do bed check, you yeah. know. It, and he was always naked when you did bed check, and he'd do it on purpose. Never wore clothes, that guy. Never, Never wore, wore clothes. clothes, that guy. So he'd always he'd always answer the door because I'd do bed check and and do the one on the roof, and I'd say, I'd tell him, you know, I wouldn't say it a polite way. Yeah, I'd say it more. I'd say, hey, look, Rob, when you answer the door, I don't care to see your naked body <laughs> because first of all, you don't look that good. Yeah, he wasn't the buffest if, guy in the world. I, for sure. I said, if I was you, I'd cover that. Yeah. I'd cover, I'd cover that up because oh man, yeah, yeah. he he always he started laughing. Ah, he was the comedian of the team, though. You always had one of those comedians every single oh, yeah. one of guys. Yeah. I said, Rob, first of all, you don't look that good. <laughs> you, you, you need yeah, to get the gym, Rob. Yeah, you got no game, bro. <laughs> you I said so. Oh, so man. if I was you, I'd I'd put all my clothes <laughs> on rather than take my clothes off. But but, oh, yeah, but Rob was he was a funny dude. Oh, he's a funny dude. And you got all those players from, I mean, from the first time I started talk, when I got there, um, uh, Peter Tonga, he was oh, the funny comedian out yeah. there doing the, doing the, um, the, uh, the Scarface yeah. acts. And, and yeah. I'm sure everyone listening to this, that hears this, if you're a part of his, of his, uh, family as a player, I think I can speak for everyone coach. Not only were, were we proud graduates and not only were we proud to play at the university of Utah, I think one thing that we're all even more proud of is to be part of your legacy. Well, it's, and it's, thank you so much from all of us players. That like you, you just created something that gave us. We're all we're part of something. We're all alumni, but we're all alumni from the University of Romney Pride. And the, the the great thing about it is all of these guys back in your day, because they all created what's there today. Yep. So what it, what happened is is you created the the base, you created the structure, and and the fact that you could you could win there and and you guys built the stadium you guys built you guys built the the weight room you guys built the stuff that's all there so it's all these guys that you built the stuff and then what urban did in his couple of years there and then what Kyle's done since then uh, has just built on 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 everything that's happened before and, and look at all the look at all your guys that are coaches there now Sheree, well, yeah, Luther, well, all those guys yeah so the whole the whole defensive staff were all former players you yeah. know uh the uh, Sharif coaches the corners and and Scally's the safety and the coordinator 
Lewis and and Luther now yeah, are Lewis, the yeah. are, are the defensive line coach, and then Colton Swan's a linebacker coach who worked for me at Weber. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And then Andy Ludwig was a GA for me. I remember know. Andy, of course. Yeah, and then um, and Wit. Yeah, wow. Wit was. Yeah, I hired Wit, and he worked for me for seven years before, as you know, I think he started off coaching the safeties and then D line, and then. I think 94 was his first year, right? Yeah. When he was with us. Yeah. Because his dad was a yeah, his DC. Yeah, dad, his dad was a DC. And, uh, and you know, Fred Fred was Man, really, I miss his dad. Man, yeah. I love Fred. Fred was a... Fred was, Fred a, was a red guy, for sure. Well, Fred was a red... Yeah. Hey, he was My dead. brother Glenn has some crazy stories about Fred when he coached at BYU, oh, man. Oh, I'll tell you Whoa. what. No, Fred was... Fred was unique. He was a know? tough guy, man. He was a very tough guy. And, and, uh, and you know, so... He was, yeah. So anybody that would coach Fred in college or in the pros, they you know he was. He was. Don't catch him on the wrong day. You may catch a left hook if you catch yeah. him on the wrong day. <laughs> oh my God! But he, he was. Uh, but he was really, you know, particularly on the on the field. Uh, uh, great coach on the field. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, and um, and. But not all, when you gave him too much free time, it probably wasn't. Yep. After a couple of games, I saw another side of him. <laughs> a yeah. couple of big wins. <laughs> yeah, but but I uh, love that guy. But yeah, he was he was uh, he was a really good, really good, especially technically. You know, gap control. That's um, why he coached in the NFL for so long. Yeah. He could deal with those personalities in the NFL too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so yeah, he was he was. Uh, he was definitely on that red and the red. The red, and the red yeah. That's why we all liked him and respected him, man. Because when yeah. he dropped that clipboard, he said, "Let's go." Yeah. He's like, "Oh, hold, no, coach, no, coach, don't, don't, don't get too mad." Like he was a serious man. He wasn't playing around. That's for sure. No, no but serious but, guy. Yeah. But yeah. So well, it was, well, I tell you what, coach. I know you got some things you're going to. I could do this for four or five more hours. I'm, I like this is the deepest dive I've ever had a chance to sit down and just pick your brain and just understand all these things and hear some stories I've never heard before. And I just thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, coach. It really means a lot to me. I know all your former players and a lot of parents and a lot of coaches out there, educators are going to listen to this podcast as well. But thank you for sharing all your OG knowledge and wisdom. And without a doubt, coach, you have really made your impact on this state and throughout the country because there's your guys and, and girls throughout the country that you've worked with. So thank you, coach. Yeah, well, it's been, it's been great. and. Um... You know, hopefully uh, the, you, we can continue to make a difference in young people's lives and, and uh, do positive things for, for the people in the state of Utah and uh, yeah, just keep moving forward. Well, I think, what I think I want to do is I'll have you, as I have some more of former players come on, which I will have, you know, especially yeah. some former NFL players come on, I'll probably have you, once we get in our new studio, a bigger situation, I'll have you come on and be like, like my co-host with some of the other players. Yeah. So I think that'd be really good because you could get them to talk about some things that they probably wouldn't open up about so <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> you got some dirt on them that you can uh, i could well, use if you get I, share that dirt uh on on the podcast well i got i, I got a little dirt on everybody i know you do and they got a little dirt on me too so <laughs> well uh, thank you very much coach hey hey thanks your film guy i know my guy over here he's a great guy man yeah he is great he guy is. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Coach. Thank you to all of our listeners. As always, thank you for following Light the Fight podcast and for listening to our new episodes, OG Therapy. Share these episodes with anyone that you feel will benefit from the knowledge from Coach and also just knowledge of how to work with youth. If you're in education, this would be a very valuable podcast. And all the former University of Utah football players or former players and people who have been influenced by Coach McBride, 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for paying attention. And always, thank you for helping us to light the fire.